0: Welcome to the Holistic Pilgrimage Podcast, where seekers of health find support, inspiration, and a light along the journey to balance in mind, body, and spirit. Here, my guests and I discuss our own uniquely personal and conscious path to health, which may include functional plant-based nutrition, healthy lifestyle habits, personal development, and mindfulness. Guests are encouraged to share their own unique journey personal experiences, and perspective. However, the views expressed by the guests may not necessarily reflect my own personal views as the host. Please note that this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to replace the advice of a trained medical care provider. Please discuss any potential lifestyle changes with your medical practitioner. If you enjoy this program, please subscribe and share on Facebook and other social media. I would like the content to reach a wide audience, and you can help. Since this podcast has been newly released, it would be great to see it climb the charts in iTunes to get posted on the new and noteworthy list. If you think this content is valuable and informative, Please go on iTunes and write a review so that those at iTunes will notice that there is quite a bit of traffic to this podcast. In addition, you may also donate to the show to help defray the website and hosting costs by going to www.holisticpilgrimage.com and click on Donate in the upper right-hand corner. Your help is very much appreciated. Enjoy the show. Excited to have my friend Patricia Tamburello on today to discuss and philosophize about the life lessons of playing music, and particularly for Patricia, it's playing jazz music. Jazz music, as well as RB and hip hop, are really my favorite genres of music. Patricia began playing the guitar at age eight, self taught until age 20. She began intermediate jazz studies and studied later with other instructors in Brazilian jazz and somber rhythms, rock, blues, as well as as classical repertoire and technique. Patricia enjoys teaching students of all ages and levels. A self-described lifelong student, she believes in the potential to learn in all situations and seeks to impart this sentiment in her students. As she says, the most important thing is to experience the joy of creative expression. It should always be fun. As a performer, she plays with vocalist Aubrey paraselli Stoyanov in a duo and larger group settings throughout New Jersey, including regular engagements at Trumpets Jazz Club in Montclair since 2005. She is the guitarist for the Full Count Big Band of Roselle Park, New Jersey, performing throughout New Jersey at concerts, swing dances, street fairs, and private parties. Patricia is active in pick band work for high school, college, and community theater groups in New Jersey. So like I said, I'm really excited to have Patricia on today. For a few years we worked together when I was teaching private lessons back in New Jersey. Between lessons, I always enjoyed finding her and having wonderful conversations, sharing a pun or two, and being silly. I would often love going to a number of gigs that she would have with Aubrey and my parents did as well. Patricia's music meant so much to me and my family that just last year, I had Patricia and Aubrey play within a five-piece group for my wedding reception. Welcome to the show, Patricia.
1: Hello, Amy. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Sure. Could you tell me what inspired you to originally play when you were eight years old, and why guitar?
1: Well, there were a number of instruments in my home, because I come from a, a musical family, very musical family. So there was my mother's piano, and my dad's saxophone and clarinet, my sister played the flute. So we had all these instruments and but in the corner there was this large case and I guess I should backtrack a little bit because my grandfather, we had his ukulele and his banjo in the home. Uh, so the l- ukulele was kind of small and you can imagine I was small. I'm small now, you know that, right? So <laughs> <laughs> as an 8-year-old it was it was kind of challenging but I would get that little ukulele down and I would strum away I didn't know exactly what I was doing but then I saw this, this beautiful looking tweed case and I managed to get it down in a position where I could actually open up the case and there's this gorgeous guitar inside of it that had belonged to my older sister who was in love with the Beatles and took a few lessons and, uh, you know, just never really did very much with it. Uh, So there it was. And and it was so large for me that I actually had to put it on the couch and try to play it somewhat piano style. And I was using my thumb where you would fret strings and and just (laughs) flucking or strumming. And and I just immediately loved it, immediately loved it because it was a combination of percussive, which meant it was drum-like. I could strum it, but it was also melodic. By the time I was eight, my parents thought, well, let's get her a guitar that's the right size for her. With that little electric guitar from the Sears catalog came a, a little amplifier and a book. So I just started like messing around with reading notes in the book, and, and it all sort of came together, and I just, just kept teaching myself more and more.
0: So I really admire how you were self-taught and that you had your own interests and pursue them. I really get excited when people take initiative to teach themselves new things. What was it like to teach yourself guitar?
1: Well, I've always liked puzzles, whether jigsaw puzzle or words, puzzles, uh, crosswords. The whole idea of looking at a grid that shows you where to put your fingers to, to make chords and stuff like that, that translated pretty easily off of age. And as I said, coming from a musical family, in my ears, I could tell uh, I had good relative pitch. The term, I'm sure you know, the term perfect pitch gets like tossed around a lot. And it's nice, it's a phenomenon, it happens, but it doesn't always lead to tremendous musicianship. What most good musicians have is a sense of relative pitch. So that's kind of like the difference between, you know, how far apart notes are, what note is higher, what note is lower. And I was always able to go to my mother's piano and pick out melodies. If I heard a melody, I could replicate it on the piano. And I found that that was fairly easy to do on the guitar. So then the puzzle of it too was like looking at a staff and saying, well, okay, this is what an E looks like on the staff. And this is where it is on the guitar. So the book explores that. So I was kind of off and running. And, you know, within about three years after that, at age 11, my mother started teaching me piano. So then we really started getting serious about what was going on on the keyboard. And I'm not a great piano player by any stretch, but I know what's going on, you know? So I was constantly enthused and interested. There was so much on the radio that was cool and piecing chords together and saying, yeah, that sounds like that song. Yeah, you know, figuring out tunes. That's all we did. We didn't have internet or, you know, but we have the record we put the needle down on the record pick it up put it back down our mom would go you're gonna ruin the record you know <laughs> it would make that little sound you know but that's the way we pieced it all together and it was the love of my life. I just, I couldn't imagine a day without playing the guitar. It was joyful, it was, you know, and there was nothing that it couldn't heal. Nothing, you know. If I was sad about something, it made me happy. And why I was happy about something, it brought me even more joy. So, things that ever happened in my life, music. Can
0: you describe a little bit more about the importance of music, like, for your own self-expression throughout your life so far?
1: Like I said, you know, all I have to do is pick up the guitar. The guitar, you said, why the guitar? And I guess... Um, you know, I played the piano, but that was kind of loud and in the living room. And everyone could hear that. And I played the trumpet and I enjoyed it when I played it. Uh, but once I got done with school, I never picked it up again. It was, it was loud. It was, it just didn't, it wasn't my native voice, so to speak. Uh, whereas guitar always felt like a piece of me. It always felt like an extension of myself. I can make it as soft as I wanted. I can make it as loud as I wanted. It's something you cradle in your arms. You, you strum it. You feel the vibration. Going through your body As far as creativity You know I can write little songs I can make up little melodies I can do parodies As you well know I, I love comedy And puns And stuff like that So you know what, Feeling in a silly mood Make up a parody About something Some of which Were actually performed In, in some of our gigs uh, with, uh, with Aubrey Which is, is a lot of fun too And just joy There were sad times Even being a little kid And all through my life You know Breakup and whatnot. And there was the guitar There was the guitar to express my feelings either to myself or, you know, in a group setting with others.
0: What inspired you to first perform for others and maybe with others too?
1: Uh, well I guess we'd have to start with the with others and for me my first experience with that was high school. That was the trumpet experience. Well, which was wonderful. I remember my mother being a piano teacher and a lifelong musician said to me, Great when you play your instrument. But once you hear yourself in a room and you hear that sound of everyone together, you hear the whole piece together and realize you're just that little part of that. And and, and it's so so beautiful to hear, appealing to the, the puzzler in me, the person that loves the puzzle of you know she says, and you're counting you're counting those beats and in your silence it's beautiful it's that space before you come in and making sure you get it just right so your entrance is just right and you're just soft enough or loud enough to make the peace breathe you're part of this whole glorious glorious creation Uh, that lives and breathes as each person in the orchestra or band lives and breathes. And she says, and you will feel it and you will know it when you hear it. And it happened. And the better the band got that I was in, the better I was able to contribute to that band by getting better at my instrument. You know, just, I could just get the goosebumps thinking about it because I did back then. Are you
0: an introvert or an extrovert? And does that come out somehow in your playing?
1: Uh, yeah, basically, I think an introvert, but you have to get past it. You have to get past it in order to go out and play music. And it is a group activity. I'm a very social person, so I could never do a solo I've done it before, but it's not my favorite way to play. I love the communication that you get when you're working with other musicians. You know, this person says that my bass player says this. No, yeah, no, I'm going to say that. You know, and maybe somebody plays something on saxophone that's whimsical, and you 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 comment on it. You know, uh, maybe the vocalist is is singing, and you're providing that background. It's all a part of that lovely process. And I forgot the basis of your question.
0: <laughs> your introvertedness or extrovertedness comes out in your performing.
1: Yes, you have to push past the introvert to get out there. And and then I guess there's a little hand maybe in all of us so that like if you're having a good night, you really enjoy it. You know, I I, I love to make people laugh. So you kind of can sense the room. And if there's room for it, you can do something a little funny. You can even do something funny on your instrument. Uh, At one point, I was playing with a sax player and uh, we were trading force, which is the thing you do in jazz, where... I take four measures of solo, and then you take the next four measures of the solo, and we keep passing it back and forth to each other, you know? And at one point, I played on the guitar, I played the line, na 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 na, na right before I passed it off to her, and she played it back at, which was just... <laughs> and the audience got it, everybody laughed.
0: That's great, and it's wonderful when you could feel out the room and see if it'll work out, you know?
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, you know, you know how attentive the group is, you know.
0: Could you tell us a little bit more about the kinds of performing you've done throughout your career thus far?
1: Uh, well, yeah, I've been really lucky that I've been able to play in uh, a number of different settings. You know, on a small scale, it's kind of the joys of being a sideman, uh, not really being a leader. Uh, you get the phone rings and it could be any kind of call from playing in a pit band for a show to playing in a small setting. Uh, just me and a vocalist or just me and a flute putting together a trio right now uh, for a corporate gig. That's going to be me, saxophone and a bass player. And you make all these wonderful friends along the way, and you call one guy, and if that guy isn't available, and you say, well, you know, I think I'm going to hook up with my old buddy, you know, and you read new life into an old friendship, you know, by calling a guy that you haven't played with in a while. And, and it's great when you start to play and it's just like yesterday, you know, so that's terrific. One of the unique things that happened was I got a call from an opera singer and she was doing a CD and she had this vision of this version of Summertime that she wanted me to play on, um, nylon string guitar. And that was really cool. That was, that was really neat when she sent me the, the finished product back. It was different than anything I'd ever done before before and it was it was really rewarding so yeah I've been lucky to be able to do a number of different projects.
0: Could you describe any times when you had a really positive experience coming from the audience especially that was really moving to yourself and the audience?
1: I've got two. There was a time in my life where I had left a job and it was bittersweet. Obviously was, there was some sadness there. And two days after I had left that job to go on to teaching, uh, full time and playing full time, which I was excited about, but I was still sad for the end of that situation, which was joyful. And, uh, that, that's following, that was a Friday I made that decision and the gig was on a Sunday and it was at one of my favorite places to play. It was the Grist Mill Cafe in, uh, great, great room so and the place was you know always packed uh, and we were lucky because we had built a a nice following that would come out and see us on those Sunday afternoon brunches you know Sunday morning brunch we were playing a song called Corcovado. you know that day for some reason I guess I had been through so much emotionally that I really didn't have anything I couldn't think anymore you know it was just completely organic and every every note that I played was just it was just like channeling. It was almost like an out of body experience where you're looking and it's like, well, who's playing that? You know, that's the greatest feeling when you when you get there. It's actually the goal of all musicians. We can't do it on every single night but we live for the moments when this happens. I played a solo. Everybody was chit-chatting and chit-chatting and it got to the point where I played the solo on Corpo and um and I went off someplace that I'd never gone before and you know, and I came to the end of my solo and the vocalist was coming back in and I heard people say, that was pretty. And it wasn't so much the compliment as it was. Was they went on the journey with me, they allowed themselves to close their eyes, get into it and just Go on the journey with us, really. But it was nice, you know, to hear that was pretty, you know, because that, that's it was nice. It was, it was just it felt good at that point. So that's my that's my beautiful experience. And the the other one, which was again, and it may have been this very same gig, and it was totally organic. We were just about to play My Funny Valentine, and I'm thinking about the chord progression, and I said, you know, this opens up a lot like way to Heaven. <laughs> totally different, totally different piece of music. You wouldn't think of putting those two together. But I said, you know, this and I, the room was kind of, everybody's listening. They heard what I said. I got a couple of chuckles. I was like, oh, here's an opportunity here. So I start playing Stairway to Heaven and the bass player chimes in. And just when I get to that part where it goes, do, 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 saxophone player plays exactly that with it. And Aubrey Paraceli, wonderful vocalist, jumps in and starts singing. And we did the whole, it the whole arrangement that every time we were doing the verse, we did the chord changes to stairway in the way that they are played. And every time we did that pause, pause we did the at that point and the people laughed and they loved it and it was a combination of funny and beautiful and intensely musical you know and since then I have sat down and I have tried to replay what we played and I can't get it to fit the way we made it fit that day and uh, it's, it's one of my fondest memories and, and funny as well
0: <laughs> what a connection with other people making that music mm-hmm. together in the moment and it's just so beautiful and were there any especially colorful mishaps when performing? that
1: you'd like to share mishap now no none of mine are coming to mind <laughs> perhaps i've blocked things out <laughs> but i've, I've had once our saxophone player we were playing and and we were trading or something she was in the middle of a solo and the place was getting pretty packed and she had a cup of tea down at the table that was right off of her right hand so she's playing these lines on the saxophone left hand is up high and the right hand is down low by the bell of the saxophone and she's in mid solo this couple comes to sit at the table where her teacup was she picks up the teacup with her right hand and continues to play totally left handed saxophone and didn't miss a beat did not miss a beat and continued to play the same phrase put the cup down and then just launched into the next idea and we were i mean the crowd went crazy we went crazy it was just so funny and it's uh, not necessarily a mishap just an amazing feat of of agility and musicianship at the same time oh that's a great one if she's listening that was margaret schaefer Wonderful saxophone player, wonderful sax player. And
0: it's wonderful that uh, you're at a gig and people are really uh, paying attention because some of them, you know, people might be chatting and stuff like that. They might not be completely listening, but it's wonderful when you have those gigs where people are really paying attention. They're present with you like... Oh, that's pretty. Like, they were there with you. So that's a memorable moment. What are your biggest life lessons that you learned about performing music with other people?
1: It's really important to listen. Very, very important to listen. You can always tell when you go out and you you listen to live music and if everybody's off in their head doing their own thing or worrying about their part to the exclusion of listening to others. Really important, especially in jazz, that you are feeding your your fellow musicians the proper information, whether it be chords, you know, melody, whatever you're doing, and and, and beyond just playing the right stuff. Because I mean, you could actually mess up and play the wrong thing, but turn it around to get it to, to come back again to being right. But if I've got a bass player playing underneath me, or vocalist, or sax player, it's important that I am ha- providing the proper canvas that I'm painted on, so to speak. And again, it's one of those things that you pursue and you try to get it right but I don't think there's ever going to be a right it's the joy is in the process itself listen pay attention do I need to be softer can I stand to be a little bit louder maybe I'm playing too many notes you know I'm I'm very critical of my own performances but the goal is to always get better and better and to try to stay in the moment really Try to stay in the moment to try not to be judging yourself while you're playing. You know, if you want to take a listen back, if you take yourself for something, uh, but the most important thing is stay in the moment and listen.
0: Partly uh, what really inspired me to interview you today is I was thinking back to when I saw Wynton Marsalis, the wonderful trumpeter, um, back probably like 2007 or something like that at William Patterson University in New Jersey, and it was a time where he was performing, but he was also giving a lecture. He was just discussing and philosophizing about how music and playing jazz can just teach us so many life lessons and just beautiful, poignant moments. I pulled up some quotes. I was trying to see if I like surreptitiously like tape recorded the uh, lecture, but I guess not. Uh, But I found some quotations from him, from a book he wrote called Moving to Higher Ground, How Jazz Can Change Your Life. So here's one quote, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this one. In jazz, time is your friend. And when you find your own swing, or the swing time in any group activity, actual time flies, yes. But it's flying to where you wanna be. And when you get there, you realize the ride is just the destination. That's the joy of swinging. What do you think?
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, that is so beautiful. Yeah, there again, it goes back to the last idea we discussed. It's the destination is not the goal. It's the ride along the way. Uh, I guess our Buddhist friends would say all of life is practice. You know, if you look at it that way, you you approach everything as let me see what I can do. With. You know, let's see what we can do with this. We're not looking to the finished product. Can get overwhelmed by that. Another great little saying is you know paralysis by analysis. You overthink things. You know, and uh, so it's all about it's all about getting into the groove of it and and you know swinging with it. Uh, and and it is it is it's a dance. It's a dance. It's like dancing with someone who is so good that you just give over control to them completely and you just follow their moves and everybody moves together as one. Uh, and that's the most important thing. Uh, yeah, it's it's a beautiful experience. I, I wish that all people could play music. Like sometimes I feel like I don't know if we would appreciate it enough uh, if it wasn't a, I don't know, I guess an inherited skill set or something, but uh you know, if everyone were able to play a musical instrument or sing, uh, I think that it would be such a such a better place uh, because I think it has so much ability to cure and bring people together.
0: And I love what he says here. Actual time flies, right? And it's kind of like this timelessness. And I got my master's degree in ethnomusicology, and we spent some time hearing about the flow theory by Mihai saint Mihai Aize. Hungarian social psychologist. I I read about him especially in the wonderful book by Thomas Torino called Music as Social Life, The Politics of Participation. And it's just this sense of timelessness like it and it doesn't have to be music it could be other things but where just time stands still you totally lose yourself and you're in the zone you know and it's just a beautiful thing and that's what I always try to, I try to do for my students I try to give them uh, experiences where they le- lose all time and space uh, you know sometimes we're successful and sometimes we're not so successful but you know it's something really beautiful when you can get to that place
1: you know yes it is yes and that's the that is the joy of teaching, you know, passing along this idea that we're going to go on this journey and we're just going to play what we feel. You know, we're going to certainly have to learn some rudimentary things and so that we could speak speak the language. But once we get those things down, make it yours. Come at it from a place of complete, nothing is wrong. You know, I'm just going to uh, create, come up with ideas, and we're going to see where this takes us. And we're going to have a lot of fun along the way. It's
0: that positivity and the ability to be lucid in it and just kind of be in the moment, which is really great. And here's another Winton quote. The most prized possession in this music is your own unique sound. Through sound, jazz leads you to the core of yourself and says, express that. Through jazz, we learn that people are never all one way. Each musician has strengths and weaknesses. We enjoy hearing musicians struggle with their parts and if we go one step further and learn to accept the strong and weak parts of people around us and of ourselves, life comes at us much more easily. A judge has a hard time out here.
1: Yeah, that, that's terrific. That's terrific in all aspects of life. It's much more healthy to go through life saying, okay, I'm like this. That person might be able to do something that I can't do, uh, but I have strengths. And maybe I can complement what they do in my own way. We're not always going to come at things the same way, but we're both earnestly with a with a kind and open heart moving towards the goal of bringing people together and doing something we love with passion. So as far as like, there are players that I will never be able to play like, or they, they have skills that I'll never be able to replicate, but I can do what I can do, you know, and in my small career, I can enjoy whatever I can take out of it, uh, playing, and by all means, always striving to, I consider myself much more a teacher than a player, and uh, that's something that we could find your strengths, find the things that you do well, and just fine-tune them, you know, and don't compare yourself to others, because that's that's a, a kind of a slippery slope, uh, a, a a good quote that I took from Downbeat magazine years ago, uh, and it was a guitarist named Mike Stern, and he said, "Often our strengths come from our weaknesses." And it made me feel so much better about myself. I was around, oh, I'd say, about you know, 17, 18 years old, and I was always afraid to bend the strings on my guitar. I do it now because I'm stronger now. Uh, but there's this whole thing in blues and somewhat in jazz and definitely in rock, uh, when you bend the strings on the guitar to bring the pitch up and bring it back down. Well, I wasn't strong enough yet, and it always felt like I was going to break the string if I went too far. You know, so rather than rather than using this this string bending, I would slide my finger up into it. So I ended up getting fairly adept at sliding around, but I just couldn't bend. And I felt so bad about that. I was like, I got this whole thing I can't do. And, you know I'll never get hired and I'll never be a professional musician. <laughs> I'm reading this article and he, and he went on to talk about things that he couldn't or felt like he was weak at, but he looked at the ways he got around them and he was able to express himself in a different way. And as such, he didn't look at it as a weakness anymore. He looked at it as creating a strength and finding his voice in a different way. So I share that with my students as much as I possibly can.
0: I've heard, you know, stronger at the broken places, you know, where we've healed and we've, you know, um, made the weaknesses into strengths, which is a really beautiful thing, a really beautiful chance and opportunity for transformation.
1: Yes, I agree with what you said
0: 100%. And of course, speaking of transformation, Witten Marsalis's book, part of his title is How Jazz Can Change Your Life. So how has jazz changed your life?
1: Well, well, first and foremost, the joy of when I discovered the music itself, which uh, my father was a jazz musician and I had, we would listen to records. We would always listen to, the jazz, to jazz on radio. So that's the music itself and gave me a, a very, very deep connection to my father who I lost at the age of 17. And I feel that this has always been the thing that bonds us. And the fact that I get to play in a big band, like my father had a big band in the 40s, and whenever I play, the lights come up, and I hear that orchestra around me, and I just, I feel transported to those days, and I feel intensely connected to my dad. And so the music in itself is just, there are no words for what music brings to my heart and to my soul. But on top of that, now I get these great connections to other people. The people that I have met through teaching music, playing music, just, amazing people and the friendships that it has created. You know, you think of yourself as, you know, most people go through life and, you know, when they're in their 20s they have friends in their 20s and friends and they all get to their 30s and they get to their 40s and 50s. And uh, for me, I was in my 20s and I had friends that were in their 50s and 60s because that just happened to be the people that I was playing with. The joy of that was then that I got to meet people that are about my father's age. So I would ask them all these questions like, what was it like, you know, hearing cold train for the first time all at the same time you're all at this age you are know, running out to the music store to get this album so it's, like, it's just just a wonderful and then you know now that I'm in my 50s f- 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 <laughs> you are not and, you're and, totally not in
0: your 50s <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: I am. <laughs> and and meeting people that are, you know, in their, you know, 20s, 30s and just coming up and hearing things and being able to hand them a stack of CDs and saying, go on, listen to this, you know, and then come back and we'll discuss. You know, it's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Oh,
0: it really is. For you, do you feel that spirituality and playing music are connected somehow?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. There's a place that you get to uh, when you're playing and sometimes it can happen in the practice room, which is beautiful. When you're working on something and then eventually you just close your eyes and just go into a place where, whether taking the information of the piece that you're working on or just going off into a place where you're just, Playing rubato and just playing whatever comes next. It's just yes, you do feel like you're connected to that to that deep quiet place in your soul where you tune out everything around you, and it's like nothing exists anymore but the sound, the sound of the music, and that deep, warm, comfortable place inside you that reassures you that everything's okay. You know, everything's okay. This this is you know this will always be. The music will never leave me. They can't. You yeah. know, just so that's. That's what I feel like.
0: It reminds me of a Wayne Dyer quote. You were the first one, I must say. Uh, the reason probably that I'm so into podcasts is that you introduced me to Wayne Dyer's Power of Intention. And you listened to it through audiobook. And I got into audiobooks and then podcasts and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> he said, uh, don't die with the music still left in you.
1: Wow. And it
0: was just beautiful. And it, that inspired me to take some real risks in life like say going to ireland to get my master's degree for instance and kind of leaving everything that (laughs) i had for a while you know jazz also for me it does bring me and transports me to a place even if i'm just listening to music and enjoying your music as well uh through recordings and things or i love tony bennett and Frank Sinatra. And of course, that kind of music really reminds me of my grandfather and my family and things like that. A real quick funny story is that in my Gmail account uh, for, my, for my music teaching, I have a picture of myself with the wax figure of Tony Bennett in New York City. And so um, all my students ask me, is that your husband? I'm like, all right. He's not real. <laughs> he's not even alive. <laughs> and that, that's Tony Bennett. He's like, what, is he 90s now or something like that? Eight? <laughs> yeah, <I think> so. <laughs> I'm like, that's totally not my husband. And that's not even a real man. But
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's good.
0: Now we still have to do work to, like you said, give somebody a stack of CDs and say, go listen and still introduce students to this beautiful music speaking of music if anyone wants to listen to more of your music or book you for a gig or a lesson how could they contact
1: you or aubrey we can be contacted on facebook at the aubrey and duo we have our own page there uh, and that that would be the best way to contact us. We're also on SoundCloud, the Aubrey Duo.
0: SoundCloud.
1: And yeah, contact us via Messenger and we would love to play for you and I would love to give you private lessons.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much, Patricia. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
1: Spread the groove, everybody.
2: cozy and clinging. well sir all i can say is if i were a bell i'd be ringing from the moment we kissed tonight that's the way i've just got to behave boy We're cozy.